Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. Happy Valentine's Day, people. Yes, today is February 14th, the day of love. But before I begin, I want to remind everyone that City Running Tours is now offering neighborhood running tours. These tours are designed to give you a unique opportunity to learn the history of the New York City neighborhoods that you are currently running through. You can choose from 23 different tours of neighborhoods in Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. For a list of neighborhoods and a full tour schedule, check out their website at www.cityrunningtours.com slash New York City. Also check out their live tours every Saturday at 10 a.m. on Instagram.com slash City Running Tours. So now today, as I mentioned, is the day of love, which to most, it might mean spending time with that special someone in your life, buying flowers, buying candy, and 
since indoor dining has resumed in New York City, I can now say going out to eat that special meal. All in the name of love. Today, we're going to look at the various types of love that exist and the love that God has for you. So if you don't have a significant other, don't worry. You are not alone. You are still loved. You know that you have God. Valentine's Day, also called St. Valentine's Day, or the Feast of St. Valentine, is celebrated annually on February 14th. It originated as a minor Western Christian feast day honoring an early Christian martyr named St. Valentine. It has become a significant culture, cultural, religious, and commercial celebration of romance and romantic love in many regions of the world. But we know, right, that carnal love can be fickle at best always requiring you to be on your best behavior, cater to someone's needs, or to satisfy someone's individual insecurities. I am here to tell you today that there is a love that is greater than all loves. It is that unconditional type of love, the one that allows you to be who you are at all times times, regardless of how you are feeling or what the circumstances might be at the moment. That is the love that God has for you. His love is unconditional. He does not require for you to be on your best behavior. In fact, when you actually think about it, he loved you when you were at your worst when you were still yet a sinner. And Romans 5 and 8 tells us that, but God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the one scripture that is known by all, regardless of if you are a believer or not, is John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that kind of love, that God kind of love, will last far past today. It is not a one day love affair that God is having with you. This is a love affair for life. One that he has been having with you Even if you're not having it with him, he loves you in spite of who you are and in spite of you not loving him back. How many of us can say that you have someone that will love you even if you don't love them back? And if you have someone that you believe feels this way about you, how can you be so sure? How can you truly know that they won't leave if circumstances were to change? You want to believe that they will always be there, but how can you really be sure? 
We all want to believe that someone out there loves us that way. But people change, feelings change, but God never changes. So, as I was thinking about love, I decided to explore the various forms of love. So today, we're going to explore eight Greek forms of love. And we're going to start out with the one that everyone knows the most, Eros. Eros is the Greek god of love and fertility. To Romans, he is known as Cupid. He represents the concept of sexual passion and desire. When I was reading about him, I found out that his mother's name, get this, was chaos. Now, how fitting is that? Because Eros is the kind of love that makes us crazy. We feel goosebumps. We feel butterflies. We feel nausea. We feel dizziness. Eros controls the fire side of our emotions. It is stirred by a physical attraction. We are enticed by the physical body. Eros can make us lose our natural mind. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. We all have had that feeling at one time or another in our lives to be so in love with someone that you lose all control. There have been songs that have been written about it. To some, they don't even want to feel that they are not in control of their emotions. I will admit, to be in that state of mind can be detrimental to the heart. When you are experiencing Eros love, you are letting all of your feelings show. Sort of like wearing your heart on your sleeve. That's that Eros type of love. Now, ironically, the term wearing the heart, your heart on your sleeve actually comes from medieval times. And it was when a knight wore the name of the lady on his sleeve during a tournament. And that was to emphasize how much he was trying to gain her affection. So while he was jousting with another another knight on the horse while he was riding by she would see her name written on the sleeve of his armor so that's where we get that from all still all still yet surrounded by the concept of love the next type of love we have is called philea it is an affectionate love a friendship love this is where the city of Philadelphia got its name. That city is known as the city of brotherly love. And now Plato believed that philea type of love did not have to be physical. It is from his name that we get the word platonic, which means without physical attraction. Love form number three, agape. Now agape is the selfless or universal love. This is the type of love 
that we have for God and that he has for us. It is unconditional, bigger than we are, and boundless in who it extends to. This is the kind of love that we have for nature and strangers. We extend this kind of love when we show compassion to a stranger, just as the good Samaritan did as he was walking along the road and saw the man that had been brutally beaten and robbed and left for dead. And now if you don't know that story, you can find that story in the book of Luke chapter 10. And that is where we get the saying when we say, oh, he's a good Samaritan. When you see someone help someone in need, if something is happening in the street now, like if there's a crime being committed and you see people jump in and then later on you're like, oh, you hear people saying he's a hero. He saved this one. He saved that one. That's where the term good Samaritan comes from. When a total stranger will jump in and help someone else that is in desperate need. Form number four or our next form of love, which is number four, storge. Storge is a familiar love. It's a natural form of affection that one feels for a family member. Now, it's a protective kinship type of love that is expressed between a parent to a child and the child back to the parent. This type of love can also be expressed between siblings like brothers and sisters, cousins, or not just siblings, but family members in general, brothers and sisters, cousins, aunts, nieces, all those type of things. And it can also be expressed between athletic teams and towards your country. Like to be patriotic, they would stay, they would say that it was a storge type of love. And when you're on an athletic team, you notice how they become a family because they're always practicing together. They play games, they win and lose. That type of camaraderie that they have for one another is called storge. Our fifth type of love, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with this one as well, mania. Now that's an obsessive love. One that becomes overwhelmed with an emotion and all they can think about is that individual. We call this form of love a love that's marked with periods of euphoria, delusions, and overactivity. Now, not surprising, many people suffering from mania don't think that there's anything wrong. They never see anything wrong with constantly stalking someone or getting extremely jealous over the fact that the person is looking or even smiling or laughing with someone else. And it has a tendency to promote violent behavior. When love becomes obsessive, it's never good. Anything that becomes obsessive isn't good. But when you have an obsession over someone with love, it's not good. Our next form of love is called ludus, and it's a playful kind of love, the kind of love that's shared between teenagers. You know, when adolescents first get, when they first get their first crush, it's what we grew up knowing as puppy love. Ludus is uncommitted love. It focuses on fun, and sometimes, you know, it's just the, the conquest of 
seeing if you could get the next person's attention, but there's no strings attached with any of it. Relationships that are under the form of ludus are casual, undemanding, and uncomplicated but can be also very long lasting. Now, adults could also experience that feeling as well. I guess it could be like the cat and mouse game that you play with someone that you know you work with, but you would never really become involved with, but you'll flirt with them every now and then. That would be a ludus type of love. Our seventh form of love is called pragma. And now this is an enduring love. It is the kind of love that commitments are based upon. This love has endured the test of time. And we see this type of love between couples that have been married for years. This love is an aged love. It endures all hardship. The love is matured and it knows how to make compromises to ensure that the love lasts over a lifetime. It is determined to keep the relationship together. It is determined to keep the relationship working by exercising patience and making sacrifices. And last but not least, our final form of love is fellatia, which is a self-love. Now, the Greeks understood that in order to take care of someone else, you must first know how to take care of yourself, right? And they believe that in order to show friendly emotions towards another, you must first have good feelings about yourself inside, right? And that, that stands to reason because when you think about it, on an airplane, they always say, when the air mass drops down, if you're sitting with someone who's like a child or elderly, you're always supposed to secure your face, your face mask first so that you can then go and help someone else. Because if you if you're not getting oxygen, how are you going to give oxygen to somebody else? Right. You can t always tell a person how you could always tell a person that is is content with themselves by the way that they treat others and how they respond to others. Because most of the time, if you're unhappy or disgruntled on the inside, that's the way you're going to reflect to other people on the outside, right? So that's why it's most important to make sure that everything with you is okay, to make sure that you're walking around in a good space, to make sure that you can take care of yourself spiritually and emotionally and then you'll be able to give back to others. Because what do we say to sometimes? People can't give out what they don't have, right? You can't give away love if you don't possess love. You can't give away friendship if you don't possess friendship. So yes, everything has to start from within first. And then we're able to expand it outside of ourselves. In the book of in the book of the Song of Solomon, it talks about a love between a man and a woman and how it is, you know, how it's how it grows and how they feel about each other. So even in the Bible, it talks of love. So love is always present in everything that we do. We also see the relationship between David and Jonathan. Now, David loved Jonathan as a brother and Jonathan loved him back the same way. But 
the ironic part of that is Jonathan's father, who was Saul, was constantly trying to kill David because he knew David was going to replace him as being king. But it did not kill the love that David and Jonathan had between one another. And I guess that saying is true. Love does conquer all. But of all the loves that I've spoken about, now I want everyone to be able to practice fellatia today. I want everyone to just love on themselves today. And now when I say love on yourself or love yourself, I don't mean love yourself to the point where you think that you're the best thing besides anything else walking on this earth. That's not a love of oneself. That is just, that becomes to the point of being mania about yourself, right? (laughs) You just become so obsessed with yourself that you're crazy about your own self. It gives you visions of delusion of who you are. No, I'm talking about the real type of, knowing yourself and loving yourself because you know how God loves you, because you know how God feels about you and you know the person and the character that he created within you to live up to your own full potential like we've been doing, to live up to our purpose that God had put us here. That's what I want everyone to start practicing. And now, you know, all these different forms of love, we all have experienced them at one time or another, or perhaps we haven't fully gotten to some of them, like the pragma. I would love the pragma love. I'm in love with the pragma love, that enduring type of love that regardless of anything, it's always there. But we have all experience the lewdest love you know the casual flirtation we had the well I've never experienced the mania love well I've never had mania love that I expressed towards someone and I've never had thank God to say I've never had a mania love that was expressed towards me I've had people that were yes you know that was was really stuck on me you know, and they wanted, I guess, wanted to have a relationship or whatever, but I never had it to the point where they were stalking or became extremely jealous. And any of you that have experienced that, I pray you're not still going through that. I pray that you were able to get out of that because that's not a good, that's that order of protection type of love. Mania is definitely the order of protection type of love, and that usually never ends up well, you know? So mania love, let's try to stay away from that one. I don't want us to practice that at all. I definitely want us to practice agape, getting, being, and you can only get that agape love once you've mastered the fellatia love. When you've totally learned to love yourself on the inside, then you can spread out and have a universal love for everything and everybody, right? That's when you, you know, you've really accomplished loving yourself when you're able to fully even love strangers that are in the street. When you have that good Samaritan, when you want to be that good Samaritan, cause you want to try to help everybody and, you know, make sure that everybody's good. And we saw a lot of that during this pandemic. We've, we've experienced, experienced a lot of that people just coming out and helping others and having that compassion you know for one another so on this day of love on this day today of love I want us all to remember 
how good we were to one another when we were in the lockdown totally and how we went out of our way to help others, to help one another that were that, you know, people that were in need. I want us to remember that on this day of love. And we see that love has various forms, right? And it can come out in all different forms in any one of us at any given time, right? But of all the loves that I've spoken about, the most important love is the agape love, like I said once before. And that's basically because that is the love that God has for each and every one of us. And to me, there can be no greater love than that one. And that's the one I want us to try to to get to in, you know, our daily walk. So with that, I'm going to play some songs and then we're going to return with op-ed. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like.
It's now time for op-ed. But now, I want to say, for op-ed this week, we've got a lot of stuff going on in this news, right? First of all, I don't even know where to start when we go to Washington. When you go to Washington, Washington is a powder keg about to explode. I mean, there is always something going on there in Washington, D.C. Let's start with Marjorie Greene. Now, she's been in the limelight for weeks now. And I haven't, I really haven't talked about her because I was really trying to avoid discussing her on any level because just the fact of everything that she stands for, the fact that she even won a seat in Congress, and that should let you know. See, one thing we have to pay attention to, we can't just keep getting upset about the Congress people that the congressmen and women that are sitting in the House and the Senate. What we have to really pay attention to are the people that voted them in. They didn't just walk through the doors of the White House and say, okay, I'm going to set up shop here. There were people, they have constituents that voted them in. That's the scary part. And for someone to get into the White House and speak the way Marjorie Greene has spoken in the past and continues to speak, that's the scary part. Because she's speaking what a lot of other people are feeling and saying as well. We just don't get to hear them because they're in other parts of the country where we can't hear them. But you know what? She stands up there and she becomes their voice. So it's not just her, the one woman that's making all this noise and saying all these horrible things about people and and occurrences that took place in our country. It's the people that stand behind her and also believe what she is saying. That's the scary part. So now she's no longer on the committee that she was head of, which ironically was the committee on education of some sort. Like, yeah, we need somebody like her dictating what the kids in the country are going to learn. That's a scary thought. But moving from her, we had an impeachment trial that has been going on. It seems like forever. Every day they were preempting every program on the TV. But you know what? I say that in jest, but it's really sad It's actually sad that we were watching everything that we've been watching in the last four years and now rolling over into the fifth year because he's still in the news and we thought we were getting rid of him. No such luck. All this stuff is making history. And the fact that you now have a president, excuse me, former president, who was on his second impeachment trial and you have a Senate who was sitting there paying absolutely no attention to what was actually going on on the Senate floor. You had senators reading books, looking at magazines, probably sleeping, not paying attention to the films, all the evidence that the Democrats were presenting. They just did not care. And it's sad because... They don't care about anything if it's not their agenda. And see, that's the sad part of it. But it's so understandable and it's so, it's so American, okay? Let's just say that. It's totally so American because where else will you have 
a nation that was founded on corruption, greed, and destruction, why would they why would they now not uphold the same type of mindset that took place on January 6th? It's in their DNA. They can't help it. And for us to sit here and think that anything else is going to come of this, that anything else is going to change, we're fooling ourselves. Then we're the crazy ones. And what do they say is the, the meaning of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome? Well, here we go again. We keep doing the same things over and over. Oh, he did this. Oh, let's get him for that. Oh, let's show proof of, we've all seen in the news time and time again, proof doesn't mean a thing because people are going to do and say and judge and vote and decide on how they want to. And the, the oldest form of proof when it came to having something recorded was Rodney King. If that didn't teach us a lesson about, I don't care if the camera is right there in the face of and nothing is going to happen, then we're never going to learn the lesson that nothing is going to change. People are going to continue to do. People are going to continue to think. People are going to continue to carry on the way they have been carrying on from the beginning. And the only thing that's going to change that mindset and change that heart is God. So for all of us and for all of you God-fearing people out there, you want to see a change? You better get on your knees because that's the only way it's going to change. On your knees and start praying. And when we collectively pray about it, then God will move. Short of that, they're going to continue to read their books, not pay attention, lie and twist the truth as long as it suits them. But enough about that, because I, I mean, and I've been trying to avoid talking about this for the longest, but it's just so, it's just everywhere. It's everywhere. You cannot avoid it. It's like the coronavirus now. It has become the pandemic. Speaking of coronavirus, we've received more vaccines. It's becoming more available to more people. I now see that I might be able to take the vaccine soon. And that's scary. I don't know if I'm going to take it. I'm still on the fence with it. I've spoken to my doctor about it. She feels that I should. She said she's taken it. When I talked to her, she had actually taken her second dose. And she, you know, she was saying she was feeling achy. But, you know, she took Tylenol and then she felt better. But she was saying that if anyone can take the vaccine, she highly recommends that they take it because it is going to be a defense barrier to you getting the coronavirus and then spreading it to someone else. But I still have to think about that. Uh, let's see what else is happening. Oh, it is still Black History Month, <laughs> right? And I was listening to, I was watching CUNY TV and CUNY TV for those of you who don't know, they have a lot of interesting stories that come on there and you get a lot of information that's not carried in the mainstream, mainstream news. So I was watching CUNY TV and Carol Jenkins, I know some of you might remember her from back in the day. She was doing an interview with a woman named Rebecca Carroll. 
Now, the thing about Rebecca Carroll, and I want to get her book because I think I do want to read this. Her book is one of, she's biracial and, but the thing about it is she's biracial, but she, okay, once again, like last year, I told you about the woman that was biracial that was raised in by the white family and she didn't know she was raised Jewish. She did not know that she was black and then come to find out her mother had an affair with a, a black guy. Anyway, that was last, go back in last year's episode in February sometime in Black History Month and you'll see that I, I spoke about that. But this is almost on that same order, but this is different. Her book is called Surviving the White Gaze. Black, Surviving the White Gaze. That's what the name of her book is. And it talks about her being raised in a white family, but she stresses the importance, which I've always stressed as well. And I wasn't raised in a white family, but it just made sense to me. She stresses the importance of if you're raising a biracial child, or if you happen to adopt a child of color or any other ethnicity than you are, you need to incorporate that child's ethnicity into his family structure. And she's saying how the way she was raised, she didn't have any communication, any connection to anything black. So her growing up, it was her hard for her to navigate of how she should carry herself and conduct herself. But one thing she did realize is, which what made her really write the book was how black girls are sexualized by white men at an early age. And that goes back to the mindset of slavery, how they would leave their bed where they were with their wife and walk down to the plantation to be with the young black slave girl. And she was saying how, when she was growing up, she was sitting, she recalls an incident where she was sitting at a bar with her mother. And why was she sitting at a bar with her mother? I don't know. That's another story, but she didn't go into that part. But she was sitting there with her mother and a white man approached her. Now, mind you, her mother is there. Now that's key. A white man approached her and he was saying how he was looking at her cause she was curvaceous, you know, and he was saying to her, oh, I could just imagine how you are in the bed. Cause I know you black women are stallions. He says this to this and she's 15. She's a 15 year old girl at this point. He says this to her and her mother is just sitting there like, <laughs> just like smiling and laughing it off. But she was sitting there like, you know, like, like, what do I do? And it made her realize how, like we give our sons the talk about what happens if police officers are to stop them in the street, what they should do, how they could, con how they should conduct themselves. She also says black girls should be given a talk as well. And our talk should be how, how, men are going to look at us as sexual objects. And she said this, the sad part about that is we have to naturally be able to deal with being the lesser of everyone walking around. Meaning that she said as a black girl, 
you are the last on the totem pole because of course you know it's going to be white man white woman then black man then you and she's saying that when we're we are sexualized from an early age and when people are looking at us in a in a light of you know just to be able to be taken advantage of and and how they talk to us and how they just don't respect us she said it's just it takes away our beauty it takes away our self-love for ourselves because we're feeling away when we're constantly bombarded with all these uh statements and innuendos that are placed on us so early and we don't know what to do with it right so she's saying how just the inequality of beauty how we are in one light they're looking at us as oh we're such a sexual being but then in the next light they're showing us how our black skin and our curves is not beautiful you know, it's, it's, if you don't look like the European woman, then you're not beautiful, but yet you're coming on to me with all these sexual innuendos. So, you know, it's giving us mixed signals and how it just, it just, how it just confuses a little black girl's mind. And she was saying how ultimately she looks at racism as being a distraction, right? And she says it's that racism keeps us distracted from knowing our inner beauty and that we were all born born on a team that could survive anything black people black people in general not just women but men as well we were born on a team that could survive anything and when you belong to a team of creators writers artists inventors and of course they're going to try to keep racism in the forefront so that you won't see the beauty in your people and she calls that a distraction for us and that in order for racism to finally be conquered conquered or for it to really be recognized and dealt with on the proper level People have to make themselves uncomfortable to be comfortable. And that's what we've heard throughout the whole, it's like been the song, the, the quiet little song playing in the background of all the Black Lives Matter protests, even though no one was actually saying it, but we were saying it. We have to make you uncomfortable so that we can be comfortable. And I just found it very interesting that the, the interview that Carol Jenkins had with her, and her name is Rebecca Carroll. And if someone wants to look her up, and the name of the book is Surviving the White Gaze. And I said I was going to get it because I wanted to read more into it because, you know, Carol's only asking her certain questions, so they're talking about certain things. And she's already gotten offers to make it a movie. But she said she doesn't want to push it too quick to become a movie or a miniseries or anything of that nature because she wants it to have life in the world. And when she said that, I was like, life in the world? And what she was saying is, I just published the book. Let it live, let people get to read it, let people get to understand and feel what it is that I'm saying. Let it live in the world and grow up and then we can now turn it into something else. And she's like, it's always so quick that they wanna just take your creativity and turn it into something else right away. You know, before they even let it, and it's, before they even let it grow and become what it's going to become in the world with people. And I found that statement very ironic. Not really ironic, but I found that statement to be very um, interesting. 
because it is true. Sometimes we, even as people, we give birth to something, a dream, a business, um, a career, an idea, and we don't let it grow in the world because the world is going so fast. It pushes everything out so quickly that you don't get a chance to let it grow to see what it really could become or would become because we're always looking to take it to the next level, next level, next level. Sometimes you just got to let things be what they are and then see where they go. And I just, I just thought that to be kind of interesting. So with that, we're going to continue. Well, with that, I'm going to end op-ed. So now we're going to continue and go on with our word of the month. Our word of the month is accountable, right? We're all going to be accountable on some form or fashion on some level. We're all going to be accountable. And our promise for the month. Now, I don't know if I'm going to give a promise or if I'm going to give a saying. Let me see. Let me look this up. You know what I've decided? In keeping in the theme of love that we've been talking about this whole entire hour, I'm going to end this off with some verses from 1 Corinthians 13, and it's talking about love. And I'm going to start off with verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That was 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And with that, I want to say everyone have a blessed day. Have fun if you're going out and enjoying the love fest that's going to be going on throughout the city. Everyone's going to be out in the restaurants. I wonder how that's going to work out. Well, I hope the restaurants really do get back on their feet, but we'll see. We'll see how everything goes. And with it being Black History Month, patronize a black restaurant today. If you don't normally eat at black restaurants, Go into one, sit down, enjoy one of their meals. I mean, not against anybody else's type of restaurants, but we of black people are always going out to other restaurants. And sometimes we haven't always gotten the best reception when we've walked in there. But I want, I want it to be reversed this time. Not that we give them bad reception when they walk into a black restaurant, but I want you to go out of your way to find a black restaurant to patronize them today on this love show some love and patronize a a black restaurant or a restaurant of color and sit down and enjoy a meal there. Understand what the food is like there. Understand what the culture and the atmosphere is like when you walk into one of those establishments, do something a little different today on Valentine's day, spread the love. So with that, People, Corona is still out there, even though we're taking a vaccine. Make sure you wear your mask. Make sure you social distance. Make sure you wash your hands. And until we meet again next week, God willing, peace.
First off, first off, let's get started, let's get to it. Gave my heart, my all into this, now look just how I the view is. Uh, came a long way and we made it through it. Yeah, I give God the praise, I am only human. I'm back in this up, mm-hmm, I can't do no trance. You said, they said what, mm-hmm, I don't know who that is. I just do my thing, mm-hmm, me get this on film. This life is a game, mm-hmm, just stick to the plan. Yeah. Can't nothing stop me from getting my destiny, no, no I'm speeding fast, the spaceship perfect mm. Back in my element, I can't never quit mm-hmm. I'ma go get it, yeah uh. Can't nothing stop me from getting my destiny, no, no I'm speeding fast, the spaceship perfect mm. I'ma go get it, yeah I can't never quit The spaceship, so I had to take a ride on it. Life is a drug, so I'm steady getting high on it. And when the love is really something, you would die for it. I'm in the yo, turn it up so I can vibe on it. I'm back in this up, mm-hmm. I can't do no trends. You said they said what? Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. I just do my thing, mm-hmm. Me get this on film. This life is a game, mm-hmm. Just stick to the plan. Yeah. Can't nothing stop me from getting my destiny, no, no I'm speeding fast, the spaceship perfect mm. Back in my element, I can't never quit Mm-mm, I'ma go get it, yeah uh, Can't nothing stop me from getting my destiny, no, no I'm speeding fast, the spaceship perfect mm. I'ma go get it, yeah, I can't never quit Todo 
mis pasos, tú has guiado.